Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. This is episode 62, Tales of the Crypt. Yes, we're going to discuss a little bit about cryptocurrency. Uh, nothing too uh, elaborate or detailed, but nevertheless, it will, uh, it will appear on our radar. But first, I'd like to start with an article from uh, Sunday the 10th. It's from Turning Point, which is the ministry of davidjeremiah.org. Pastor Jeremiah grew up in Toledo uh, in this area and now pastors the Shadow Mountain Community Church out near San Diego. And he discusses in his uh, current series going on about globalism, a financial prophecy Whereas he talks about a cashless society, cryptocurrency, microchipping people, types of things that he said the Old Testament prophets were discussing back in the day. Now, I'm not, well, I listen to a lot of different pastors. I follow them because I find them insightful and give me some information I didn't have before. Uh, I'm not necessarily on board with all the ones that keep predicting these are the end times. But nevertheless, if you uh, have any level of biblical scholarship, it may be something you want to look at and you want to follow. But uh, I just would encourage you to keep an open mind, be wary and be aware as you keep looking around you as the economy, both nationally, locally, and globally, uh, is, is on, I would say, shaky legs right now. Another one from Sunday is the Stansbury Digest, and he talks about reducing investment losses. Keith Kaplan, uh, who's the CEO of Tradesmith, talks about three rules of reducing your investment losses, or at least minimizing them going forward. So number one, have a clearly defined exit strategy for every position you own. And I guess that would even include non-market uh, entities that you have. So keep an eye on that, a clearly defined exit strategy. So you know at what level you want to sell and and how you're going to go about it. Says obviously, and this is one of the greatest rules of investing for years, forever, actually, don't risk too much of your money in any single position. In other words, variety is the spice of life and economic well-being. And third, spread your risk across a reasonable number of assets and positions. And again, that ties in with number two, about diversifying your portfolio, whatever that may be, uh, you know, may, even if it's things like you're you're keeping things at home, you're treasuring, you're hoarding your treasures at home, at least diversify among them so you have some flexibility if it comes time uh, to eliminate some of them from your portfolio. From Saturday in The Economist, and I don't know how many of you get a chance to read that, but I would encourage you to look at it. Um, one of the things they noted in the Saturday version of The Economist was that after 2008, if you remember the bursting bubbles back in those days, 
The lack of spending affected the world's economy. In other words, people were so stung, um, maybe even traumatized would be the word, about what went on in 2007 and 8, uh, that they basically held on to their assets rather than willy-nilly blowing them at Walmart, Meyer, and Costco. So that lack of spending affected the economy and made it slow down. Right now, currently in 2021, it's the lack of supply. And that boils right down to logistical issues as we have ships still sitting out in the harbors and we have a shortage of truck drivers. Um, it's just difficult to get goods and services in a timely manner if you can get them at all. The microchip shortage certainly affecting the automobile and other entities, uh, industries right now. So, and then I would argue there's one other thing that's not generally noticed is that we're, we're running into a fossil fuel shortage. And a lot of that is because of uh, government programs globally in their attempt to get away from fossil fuels and get into sustainable and renewable resources. The transition period isn't going smoothly. It's sort of jerky and come and go. The unreliability of, uh, of the uh, environmentally preferred uh, systems are not there. And so we find out that we're just messing around and letting fossil fuel industries sort of wither on the vine when there's going to be an extreme energy shortage and the cost uh, oil's up to 80 bucks a barrel right now. Another article I'd like to recommend from Friday, October 8th is on Doug Casey's international man. As you know, I refer to Doug a lot, but, uh, he, uh, he sort of goes and looks at what David Stockman is saying on why the $3.5 trillion spending, spending plan is worse than you think. Let's put it this way. I don't know if he's right or wrong, but let me say that I assume that he's right just because of the nature of government bills and particularly those from the progressive side of the aisle. I should say regressive, depressive progressives. Um, they always put all kinds of crap in these bills that come back to bite us in the butt later once we find out what's in them. As Nancy Pelosi says, you know, first you got to pass the bill to know what's in it. But um, they're no longer doing, how do I put it, astute and legitimate budget proje projections. Like when they come up to the $3.5 they ba basically... Uh, assume it's going to be over a 10-year plan. Uh, they do it that way to minimize the annual cost or annual uh, trade-out for it. And as you know, for a fact, they aren't going to let it wither on the vine that within the next nine years, they'll be passing more of the same and similar things. So it's just a bogus way of presenting it to the people and basically telling them that you know, it has a minimal impact when, in fact, it has a much greater impact than that. Let me give you an idea of some of the things that are in there from Stockman and Doug Casey. First of all, the $3,600 to $3,000 child tax credit will cost uh, $110 billion per year. The child tax credit and subsidy will be $35 billion per year. 
paid family leave would be $22.5 billion per year. Universal pre-K, pre-kindergarten, universal daycare, you might say, is $16.5 billion per year. Free two-year college and increased grants at $28.5 billion per year. Medicare expansion to dental, hearing, and eye care, $37 billion a year. Expanded Obamacare and Medicaid, $46.5 billion. Expanded home and community-based health care service and pharmaceutical subsidies, $52 billion a year. Clean energy and EV tax incentives, uh, $33 billion a year. Clean energy boondoggles, $23 billion. Housing sub- subsidies, $19 billion. And R&D subsidies, $18.5 billion. Those are just a few of the examples of things in this bill and the annual cost. Now, you know that just the implementation of this bill, were it to pass, would actually make inflation or greater inflation than we have today much more likely. Because as you keep shoving money into the economy, and I mean not real money, but digital money into the economy, that's going to make the price of goods and services go higher. So those estimated annual costs there for those various items in that bill are certainly going to increase. And uh, so it's just a never-ending circuit. It's like riding a merry-go-round with no end, except that, you know, at some point the merry-go-round's going to stop and maybe blow up. From Friday also, I have the Breitbart Business Digest, and they talk about the the jobs report, the 194,000 jobs that were added in September. The estimated forecast prior to that was 500,000. They only missed it by a factor of, you know, 306,000, which, (laughs) anyway, going on. Uh, There were high hopes for that since they had decreased or eliminated the extended unemployment benefits in a number of the states, but the unemployment or the labor force participation rate actually went down. So I think there are still certain subsidies and things going on out there which may discourage work. Um, I think we're going to have to be real wary and watch this very closely to see really what the underlying factors are? Are people just choosing to subsist off of charity and things of that nature rather than going back to work? Um, I don't know. It's kind of puzzling to me in a way. I know in our restaurant business, uh, we're offering all kinds of incentives to get people to come to work with us. And uh, it's just not having that great of a benefit. And I know food service is a tough way to go. But uh, it shouldn't be this tough right now. Another person I read frequently is John Rappaport and his power outside the matrix, uh, uh, inventing a new reality. Basically, and this is something you might keep in mind as we go forward and try to navigate our way through this mess we're in right now. He said there are two major effects of overall mind control. The first way is the distracting and confusing of the thought process. And so if you know the story of the dog and the squirrel, the dog is obedient, doing her, his job, and all of a sudden the squirrel shows up and everything goes to pot as the dog races off and chases the squirrel. That's what government 
and the entities and the powers that be do to us all the time. Once a scandal or something of a, a, a alarming nature appears, they certainly create another distraction. Uh, the, uh, you know, wag the dog type theory going on in the economy and across the, the whole nation. The second overall effect, according to Rappaport, uh, of mind control is the repression of the individual's creative impulse. It says creation and imagination are, of course, the energies that bring about the invention of new realities. And I guess as they continue to isolate us through their policies, both formal and informal, uh, they do choke off creativity in a sense because the lack of interaction with others, the lack of feedback and that type of things does limit the creative impulse to some degree. Final article I want to share with you today is from my buddy Bill Bonner's diary called Everybody's Looking for the Next Big Score. And basically what Bill is discussing here is that it seems that our, our mindset as citizens, as investors, as citizens of the planet, we're looking to the next quick score. That seems to be a prevailing mindset, a prevailing attitude right now. And I think part of it, although Bill deplores it, that attitude and that perspective, I understand it, I think. When you look ahead and see the way things are going, and it's difficult to discern where you should be and how you should go, how confusing and uh, stultifying the whole situation is, you think maybe if I can just get that one big score, I can fix myself up and withdraw from this whole mess and live in relative peace and quiet going forward. I think that's part of the mindset. I don't think it's a greed thing. I think it's a defensive type of thing, but I'll let Bill discuss that going forward and I'll either agree or disagree with him as we go. So why crypto? Why the uh, the the crypt discussion today is because there's an element right now we believe for various federal governments and the global banking system to go to a totally crypto system so they can control the whole thing. Keep your eyes on that. If you're an investor in cryptocurrency, keep your eyes on that. Watch the strong hands of the strong arm of government get involved could mess up your day. Well, that's the Living Liberty for today. Uh, this has been episode 62. I'm Charlie Earl. Remember, live free, stay free, and be free. <laughs>